listening to the Yukon Chi Alpha podcast. We're so happy to offer you sermons, interviews, and just spiritual content to help you grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. I preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, Cephas, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia, and I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. The word of the Lord. So in 1771, in 1771, a young college student went off to study at Cambridge at St. John's College. He was from Hull. He was extremely intelligent, extremely bright, but he did not actually like to study. Uh, and so he, he spent his time there. Um, it's, he spent his time, he, in his own words, drinking, social gathering, and playing cards. Evidently, he liked to play some poker. Um, I don't know, to you guys, that just sounds like UConn right there right like it's just like college students haven't changed in 250 years whether they're in england or america it's pretty amazing so he's in england and cambridge he's from from hull um and he was he he had a lot of ambition he was really intelligent obviously to be at cambridge but he um just didn't didn't apply himself well he was great at social networking and his dream was to become a politician and to work in parliament um that actually happened for him he ended up becoming a parliament, getting elected into parliament. And in 1785, continuing his ways, he was always living this kind of worldly lifestyle. But in his own words, his life was, um, maybe he was living his best life, people would say. And he probably thought he was living his best life, which is that that's our kind of thing today we would talk about, right? Like live your best life, the Oprah mentality. But I, I would say that, and he would even say later that his life was not fulfilled, even though he had achieved everything he wanted to without actually even working very hard to do it. Um, God ended up using his social networking skills later, probably to get to the parliament to use him later. Um, so anyway, in 1785, this man was encountered, he encountered the gospel of Wesley. He became an evangelical uh, Christian through the Wesleyans and through other people in Parliament who knew Jesus well, um, and his name is William Wilberforce. And William Wilberforce, if you know, single-handedly—well, not just single-handedly—but he was the he was the political figure of a bunch of people around him who were fighting against slavery, and his life was transformed in those moments in 1785. He went from being a person who drank all the time, who partied, who gambled to a person who stopped drinking alcohol completely, never gambled again, and started to fight. He was compelled by Christ to fight the slave trade that was happening in his world around him. 
And in 1833, the Slavery Abolition Act was passed by the British Empire. Due to William Wilberforce's efforts and some of his friends, like uh, John Newton, who wrote the, the hymn Amazing Grace. And so three days after this thing was passed, William Wilberforce then went to see Jesus. He went to the Lord. What is any what is what is William's story? Why does his story matter? His story matters because it's a story of transformation. And as we read Galatians, as Kayla did such a great job reading Galatians to us, we can see that in, in Paul's words here, we, we have he's telling his story of transformation. He's making an effort to say, this is who I was, and this is who I am. See, Paul lived a life against God, even though he thought he was living for God. You can thank your own God's side. Like Paul was a righteous man. Paul was a man, as he, as he states here, and he does often in his epistles. He states that I was, a, I was the best Jew ever. He thought he was living great for God. But he was persecuting the church. He was persecuting God's new movements and things. And, and um, he, was, he was this, this person who, like most Christians, probably were completely afraid of and frightened of because he was murdering Christians. We know he was at people's, at Stephen's death and other Christians' death. And he was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians, to put Christians in jail, to maybe kill them because he thought they were against God. And we see in Acts, if you look... Um, Acts 9, this is literally the story that Paul's talking about in Acts 9, chapter, chapter 9, verses 4, he says, Paul, he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says to him, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you persecuted. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. <clears throat> so Jesus is telling Paul, he's saying, hey, why are you persecuting me? He ends up giving him this incredible plan, and Paul's laying that out for us in Galatians, right? And I love what Paul says in the, at the end of this, right? You guys heard the story of how he's talking about how he's persecuted in the second half of Galatians chapter 1, and how he's been a person of persecution, but what God did to him and how God called him. And when we think about that, what you're seeing in that is it's a story of transformation, just like William Wilberforce. And here's the big picture point of the day that we are going to be talking about. And it's this. Just like Paul, who you were yesterday is not who you are today, and it's not who you're going to be tomorrow. I'll say that again. Who you are, who you were yesterday is not who you are today, and it's not who you will be tomorrow. That is true whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. But it's especially true if you have the transformation power of Jesus Christ in your life. If you know Jesus, if you're following after God, if you're seeking God, you better not be the same person you are today, tomorrow. There might be seasons where you feel like you're the same. There'll be seasons where you feel like God's not near you. There'll be all these different seasons, but God is in the transformation business. And so who you were yesterday is not who you are today, and it's not who you're going to be tomorrow. 
And you, get, you know that's true if you think about it, right? You know the days and the times and the seasons of your life when God has moved in your life. You know as a child what you were like as you are today. But the reason I say that is true for a Christian as well as a non-Christian is simply this. Everything we do is formative. And what I mean by that is this, is that like, if you're not a believer, if your friends you may not be believers, like God's still around them and with them. And they might not be aware of it. But everything we do is forming us. It's either forming us into the image of Christ or it's forming us in the image of ourselves or the devil. But we are being formed by the things we put ourselves in and around. And so how we interact with Christ and how we follow Christ is going to help us to understand who we're going to be. And that's what Paul's kind of saying in this. Is he's, again, this is Galatians, if you, didn't, if you weren't with us last week. And so Paul's making some arguments here about some bad teachings and theology that have happened in, in the churches in Turkey. Galatians is like a bunch of different churches in the area of modern-day Turkey. And he's just saying, you know, like, this is what the true gospel is. And, and in this section of Scripture, he is literally telling them his transformation process and why his calling can be trusted. Right? That's, that's his entire point of writing this to them here. We're, 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 we're grabbing on what he's saying now. And we're saying, hey, that's right. But there's, there's some truth in there that we want to hold on to about his transformation process and how we are being transformed in the image of God. Imago Dei is image bearers of God. It's Latin for you are in, created in the image of God. So every single person, whether believer or unbeliever, is created in the image of God, which means that you can either be formed into his image, your true self, or you can, you can be formed into your false self, which is already there. And you can go deeper into that. But one way or another, you're being formed into something. Um, and everything you do on a day-to-day basis is, is, is a part of that and how you make decisions in that. So Paul is making um, these, these things and these things true. And what is really interesting about that is we're formed in the image of God. And Paul is right about that. And I think that he is. He is. Um, Hebrews 13 says this, Hebrews chapter 13, verse eight says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So you and me and Pastor Lindsay and Pastor Brad, we might not, um, we might not be the same person we are today that we will be tomorrow, but God has not changed. He's the same God that created this place. He's the same God that created Adam and Eve. He's the same God that created Eden. He's the same God that put the garden in the in Eden. He put all those gardens, all those trees. He's, he's the same God that to set this thing into motion and to set the redemption into motion. He hasn't changed. He has always been good. He's always been holy. He has always been righteous. He's always been about taking care of of the lost and the justice. And I think that that is why William Wilberforce's transformation into Christ drove him to be a politician for God. So when I say, I think, I think Christians should get used to not being in power and they should get used to speaking truth to power. And I think that's what William Wilberforce did. Yes, he had a position. He was in, he was um, in parliament because of, of, of how he was, created and who he is but he did not um he did not he didn't like have power and so he's just one vote in that parliament and no one wanted to give up in that time period whether it was great britain or america no one wanted to give up the money that was being made off of other lives and souls 
But what happened in William's heart was, is he, he recognized that God did not justify treating men and women that way. And I just think that in this time, as a time such as this, that we're living in, in this world where slavery is still a big deal throughout this world, especially sex slavery and slavery and making items and different things like that in, in places like India and in, in places like um, uh, some of the uh, Asian nations that I can't think of right now, Cambodia, there's slaves that are being forced to do things they do not want to do. And then you think about William Wilberforce did not see the goals of his mission happen until three days before he went to be with Jesus. William actually wanted to become a pastor at some point, and he had people say, no, you're too good at this. He had people around him who knew him well who said, you're too good at this. Your true self is actually speaking truth to power. You're in a position where people will listen to you if you continue to go down this road. And so he, he didn't, he wanted to go a different route and he listened to the counsel of his friends who loved Jesus and said, no, stay here. You can do more good for the world where you're at than going somewhere else. So the lessons I learned from that are this, is I need to know who I am. I need to have people around me who know who I am, who can hear the voice of God well and understand those things to put us into places where we're going to be transformed into the person that God wants us to be, Right? And in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17, Paul says this about this transformation. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are new creation. Or, and as the NIV says, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So that old self has to die to this new self that's coming, that we're coming into power with, with God. As the power of God moves through us and in us and we become who he wants us to be, the old has to die. We have to become new. We can't stay the same. Even though there's going to be many days in your life where it's going to feel like you have not changed at all. If you are pursuing Jesus, you are, if you look at the whole history of your life, you will see over a 10-year period, you are going to... Um, like, you know, like when you like incrementally change, like as a football player moves down a football field, they don't get there in one pass usually, right? The best teams do it a little bit at a time until they get to the touchdown, right? And that's the same thing with us. We are, and you look back over the entire history of your life, you're going to see as you follow God that you're, you're becoming a new creation. You're both our new creation now, but you're going to be becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you're going to see the transformation happen. Right, because God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and these are the promises of Scripture. And so, what He's doing in us, He should do through us. Uh, this is this real devotion we talk about in Chi Alpha. If we're really devoted to God, then we need to be pursuing things that are going to form us in the image of Christ, because His image is already on us, and He wants to pull that out of us. He wants us to be the best version of us. So He is the best hope for us. And so that's how we get to lean into these truths that, that he is the same to yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that I am not going to be the same, right? Who I was yesterday is not who I am today, and it's not who I'm going to be tomorrow. The question is, is who am I going to be tomorrow? Am I going to be like William Wilberforce, pursuing 
the calling of my life in a way that even if it's hard, I keep going. Because I'm going to be formed in the image of Christ. Am I going to pursue the things of righteousness and justice and hope, even though they are hard, because they are, they are more joyful? The reality is this, friends, that, that although we might be young, God has so much more for us than we could ever hope for or imagine. That he is actually good. And there are going to be seasons of plenty and there are going to be seasons of lack. But God is always going to be there. He never changes. And if there, you are in a season of lack, there's a reason. And oftentimes there might be a reason you're in it. There's a reason God allowed it, at least. He might not have led you there. He might not want you to have it. But he is going to use it for your transformation, for his glory, if you're aware of his presence in those moments. So the question is not whether you're going to be changed as you grow. The question is, is whether you're going to become, as this one theologian put it, um, a holy fool when you're 80 or an old curmudgeon. Do you want to be transformed to a cranky like the Grumpy Old Men movie? Or do you want to be transformed into someone, uh, whether, you, whether you die at 25 or whether you die at 102, that people look at and go, there was just something about them as I look at their life, whether they're believers or not, that is that was just good and great. And it, you will know, and those that know God and are attuned to his spirit will know that that goodness was from God as he moved in you and through you. But transformation is going to happen. You are going to change. And so the question is, is how do we lean into the truths of Christ and be like Paul in this Galatians passage? I think it's interesting, a couple things to just tag onto that. It's interesting to me that Paul didn't just run into his calling, right? It says that he went away for three years. That's really interesting to me. I think sometimes we want to rush into what God has for us. And Paul really went away and said, I have to figure out what this is about. Um, there are some theologians on that verse that think, I think that he was out preaching in Arabia. I think that's probably true. He probably was doing that. But he was also getting away from his current situation to figure out what God was doing. He was, he was modeling what Christ did and pulling away for a little bit. Right? And so we can be on mission for God and still be doing the scriptures and discipling and making disciples and worshiping and doing those things. But we can be doing that at a lesser level while we pull away because we know we have a bigger calling that's upon us. Paul was called to the Gentiles, and he was practicing that out and, and, and testing that call. Another thing you notice here is uh, it says he went to Cyphus. To, that's actually Peter um, at that point. And he, he, went, and he went in afterwards to Peter, and he got to know Peter, and he got to know James. And they, he did eventually seek blessing. So as you're, like we talked about with William Wilberforce, like seeking the blessing and finding people to, to say, hey, what is your calling going to happen? We need to find people and places of wisdom that we can find ourselves around that as we are being transformed, they can help us to see how God is shaping and moving us so that we can be the best version of ourselves. Because remember, God has a plan for your life. And he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And I just think real devotion requires us to lean into this. It means I need to use wisdom in how I pursue Christ in my prayer life 
and this understanding that I'm not who I was yesterday. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm different today and I'm going to be somebody else tomorrow. And we need to, that's the prayer we need to ask God, who do you want me to be tomorrow, God? How are you developing me and changing me? And I think the third thing to think about here too is, is as you think about William's story and you think about Paul's story, is that sin is sin is sin. The false self and sin comes out in us throughout history for four, six, eight thousand, ten thousand years of humans walking the earth. We tend to go selfish. We tend to make our own idols, our own gods. And we tend to live our life in a way that is um, about us, right? And we think we know better than God does. And that's really what happens when we try to like present ourselves to the world. And it might be for, for our own people to like us. It might be for us to promote power, get power over somebody or something. But our sin is coming out of us, and it's been that way since the fall. And so the, the, the reality of that is this. Why am I saying that? Is that we all need the transformative power of Jesus Christ. Because if not, we will transform into worse versions of ourselves. And so we need to be, we need to lean into that verse in, in uh, 2 um, Corinthians, right? That we are a new creation. When we say yes to Jesus, he does something. He stamps us. He lives in us. He moves through us. And uh, we need to throw away that false self, that old self that is, is pulling us down and not allow that to transform us into a worse self. But we also need to realize that the temptations of 250 years ago are not that much different than they are today. 250 years ago, William Wilberforce was living the same life many of us have lived in college. You might not be living that life right now, but your friends might be. And so we need to realize that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. And so is the devil. The devil has not changed either. He uses the same dumb tricks. And they are not our best life. It's a promise of your best life, but it's not your best life. Your best life only comes through transformation in Jesus Christ. Only through that. And so will you lean into Jesus today, friends? Well, could, could we under, have this understanding that uh, Paul's trying to say to, the, to the, the churches in Turkey is simply this. is He's like, guys, this is who I was. And this is who I am. And, I can, and this is why you can trust my calling. And I would say this to you. You have a calling in your life. And you need to know your testimony, whether you were raised in church your entire life or you came to Christ today. There's a calling on your life and the Holy Spirit is in you. And he has your best interest in mind because he is always good. He is the one who inspired people to stop the slave trade in modern times and he will inspire people like you to to, who are trying to stop it again in modern times he's a he's a god of justice and goodness and he's a god that calls the entire world to be his disciple because he loves the world and so where where are the places in your life 
that maybe um, you're not living in these truths. That maybe, like Paul, you might be thinking you are on mission for God and really you're fighting against God. your false self's coming through and you're, you think you're, you're, you're going for those things of God. And God's like, no, I'm calling you to a different place, Paul, Gil. And this is where I'm leading you to. Because I think it, it, at all times, some of us are there. That's what we do. We, um, I think I, we're always going to be one of us. Uh, sorry, I said that wrong. We're all there at some point in our life. At some point, I have thought I was on mission for God, and God was like, Gil, you are actually hindering what I want you to do, what I'm doing in this world. You're fighting against me. And he calls me to repentance. So we have about 10, 15 minutes, somewhere around that, a little bit around there. We'll try to get over with somewhere around 1 to 110-ish. And we're going to break off into our prayer groups like we normally do um, and just chat. I'll throw some things in there. Um, some things to look at and think about as you go into those things and make sure you pray together before we leave. Um, it's just simply, you know, what about these, about this is is sparking in your heart? Where's your heart going as you think about this idea of transformation? What, what, what might have, uh, what might be God doing in you in that? Um, I think that would be the one thing, if I was going to share anything, like how is God moving in you as you think about these scriptures and this message of that God is always forming us, that we are always being formed, and God wants to form us in his image. So give me one second to do your breakouts.